0: Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Chalice. I'm Detective Cameron.
1: And I'm Stan.
0: And this is Scream Bloody Movies, the podcast where you get all your favorite uh, Tom Atkins talking about Tom Atkins movies. How you guys doing, Toms? (laughs) Doing good, Tom. I'm doing great, Tom. Great, Tom. It's great to know uh, I've been spending my day, uh, you know... (laughs) Sucking boobies and drinking beer.
1: That's like a great day to me. It's
0: the best day. Uh, also, I've been stopping children from getting uh, their faces melted off by Halloween masks. So I think it's a pretty good day. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to our Halloween episode. Um, I hope that this is finding you... Um, Having a great holiday. This is a hopefully a great way for you to start your holiday. Um, we are very excited to talk about today's movie, which is John Carpenter's immortal classic, uh, Halloween. And just this weekend, um, the weekend that this airs, or the weekend that we recorded this, uh, we just got through watching Halloween Kills, which you'll see a reaction for soon as well. Um, needless to say, we all loved it, right? Right. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that brings us to the horror movie news. Uh, The first thing is, um, since we're talking about Halloween Kills, um, we have the box office receipts for Halloween Kills um, this weekend, and it opened to $50 million, uh, which is one of the highest openings for a um, movie during the pandemic, the highest R-rated opening. And uh, just a lot of money to be made in a single weekend. Especially by, uh, for an R-rated slasher film. What are you guys' thoughts?
2: It's amazing.
0: It was well-deserved. For sure. I mean, the buildup was forever. I mean, we waited for you know, what? Uh, a year? It was supposed to come out in 20, uh, 20 and it, you know, we had to wait a full year for it to come out. So the hype was definitely built. And it, it also made that $50 million while also simultaneously, uh, being on Peacock. So, which you could pay $10 and have it ad free. So, I mean, that's, that's huge business for that, for that movie. Um, next on the, um, speaking of Halloween kills, we'll continue with that. David Gordon Green has announced that, uh, he will be directing all three of his upcoming um, Exorcist trilogy that he's attached to. Um, What are your guys' thoughts on that and are you excited for that um, iteration?
2: Yeah, that's the way it should be done.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited uh, for that. I'm glad that uh, he's seeing it through.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's... um, It seems like it's something that he shepherded forward, so uh, I I would imagine that he has a uh, a large stake in it and passion into it. So, uh, I mean, that's what he's doing with Halloween. I mean, you could take a guy that was making, you know, mostly silly comedies with, uh, Danny McBride and Seth Rogen and such. And then you turn it in, then he turns into this like horror maestro. I mean, that's, uh, shows where your passion lies, I suppose.
1: He's the second
0: one. Um, yeah, the second, the second trilogy, second trilogy. Well, no, uh... it's uh,
1: it was, uh, Jordan, uh, what oh. was it? Jordan, Peele? Jordan Peele. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He made that uh, transition pretty successfully. Yeah, as well, he did
0: so. very successfully, uh, made, uh, two very good movies. Um, so this is interesting guys. Um, M night Shyamalan has a new movie coming out. Our favorite twist Meister. Uh, I mean I guess the greatest twist was when he started making good movies again. <laughs> That's a e slapper there. Uh, I'll be hearing about that on Monday. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so yeah, uh he his new movie is called Knock at the Cabin Door or Knock at the Cabin. Ooh. And see if we have any new uh no details about the plot of knock at the cabin but uh he's all for um i'm all for a cabin in the woods style movie from m night i mean that sounds like it would be interesting what are your guys' thoughts
2: i love m night Shyamalan. there will be no m night disrespect ever again on this podcast you guys hear me
0: (laughs) hey I love the first two movies that M. Night made uh, very much. Um, Unbreakable, uh, Six Sense and Unbreakable are both great. And I um, didn't love The Village. Derek's a big fan of The Village. I, I like The Village.
1: Uh,
2: I love The Village so much. Well, we'll all uh, have, a a differing
0: op- I'll have a differing opinion on, on that one. Uh, but I don't think it's his worst. I think it, he doesn't start to make bad movies until he makes The Happening. What? which is pretty bad. uh pretty 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 bad. Uh, and then I thought it was know, cool. Then he, then he made the last airbender you, which was just atrocious.
1: I've never seen that one but uh I could see where that one might be.
2: I could it's see
0: that in the wrong direction. Yeah, also After Earth. That. After Earth. After Yeah, with Will Smith and Jaden Smith as, Yeah, well not that. a lot of people did.
2: <laughs> Bomb no, that <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that was him either
0: yeah yeah um but yeah i'm i'm all for when when m night makes some uh tight little horror movies he you know knows what he's doing like uh, i thought split was really good didn't care for glass but um i loved split and uh i have not seen old yet so once that comes out i'll be excited to see that it's an interesting premise Um, And that wraps up the horror news today. There wasn't a lot. Wasn't a lot. Um, So, guys, the reason we're here. um, It is Halloween. Everybody needs to go grab your uh, jack-o'-lanterns. Grab a nice... Good. Grab a jack-o'-lantern. Grab a big bowl of candy. uh, Put on some uh, spooky music. And then watch John Carpenter's Immortal Halloween.
1: Don't forget to... Which is what we're the, discussing today. Get the diabetes. the diabetes. Well, I mean... Diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> With we're Tom candy.
0: Atkins, not Wilford Brimley. Type 2 diabetes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling this, by the way. Well, oh, I can watch. tell.
0: I can tell. We're about to I'm get rid of second Good, good. I like your pumpkin, Lydia. Your little pumpkin. Uh...
1: Lydia, I am so jealous of your decor. <laughs> yeah, it outrageous.
0: looks great. looks great.
2: I go all out for Halloween. I love it.
0: I do, too. This is as much as I can do at the moment in my office, but Did you, the uh, house has. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say the house is already starting to be decorated as well. So, guys. Let's talk about John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, let's start with uh, our experiences with Halloween and like we do every week. And uh, is this the first time you've seen this. Obviously the answer is no, I would imagine. So let's start with you, Derek. Tell me your Halloween story.
1: Uh, I don't know if I have a Halloween story, but uh, I mean, I grew up on this movie. I watch it every single year. It was in Syndicate growing up on cable television. So, because it came out in the 70s and I was born in the 80s. So, it was already a classic by the time uh, I got a hold of this thing. Um, But yeah, you know, I watch it pretty much every year. I own a copy.
0: Lydia.
2: Yeah, I um, I can't quite remember the first time I saw this either it's kind of like one of those things that's just always been there, you know, like, I mean, like you said, it was already a classic by the time we were all born. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. I do remember, you know, not seeing it when I was super young and like, you know, catching little scenes here and there. But I, my mom really tried to not let me watch, you know, the, halloween and friday the 13th when i was too young so unlike you guys which i feel like you guys saw it when you were really we young. had
0: no limits
2: <laughs> yeah so but i think that like built up more of a fear because it's like oh no that's too scary for you to watch so by the time i finally got to sit down and watch it i was like oh this is really scary stuff i'm not i'm not even supposed to watch this
0: yeah that goes a long way that goes a long way into uh uh mythological you know myth-making for a movie for sure Mm -hmm. um for me my like this is has always been a staple in my life too i mean this is uh i mean i guess i'm going to give away my rating but this is my all-time favorite movie and um when i was young this movie terrified me i was (laughs) i was terrified of michael myers just in general i watched freddy dressed as freddy loved freddy watched jason thought he was cool loved jason michael myers was terrifying he was this blank emotionless killing machine and the first halloween i saw actually was um halloween 2. my first earliest memory of halloween was halloween 2 and it was watching it with my mom at we had a house on third street and i remember sitting in the living room and the scene the end where uh, of halloween 2 where uh the hospital explosion happens and watching him walk out of the flames and i was like fuck this no <laughs> even flames can't stop him and uh from then on for a while i was really afraid of uh michael myers and i forced myself to watch those movies and then you know as i started watching them this movie just became um my fa- like i just the filmmaking of it just took over as a filmmaker i was like just this is number one, you know, everything about this is what I like. And so, yeah, like you guys, I watch it every year on Halloween. Um, sometimes I watch it just in the middle of the year if I want to watch it. Um, I've owned this almost as many times as I've owned Evil Dead. Not quite though, not quite though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely part of my lexicon, uh, especially in my, as a as a filmmaker, it's definitely in my toolbox is uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. I, I like use that as a reference point for a lot of things. Like, is that scary? Does, is that as scary as this scene? No, probably not. We could probably do better. So, guys, let's dig into it. Let's dig into uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, I'm sure most people know the whole story. But let's, let's start by saying that uh, this movie was made for $300,000 and became a worldwide success for the longest time it was the uh highest grossing independent film of all time for the longest for the longest period it actually finally got bested first by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which did you guys know that was a independent movie I did I mean it was an independent movie with a big budget but it was an independent movie hmm. and then uh of course the Blair Witch project just like destroyed everything <laughs> I mean, it was made for $7 and a stick of bubblegum. <laughs> like $70 billion or something. <laughs> Spawning a franchise, um, which only has one good movie, which is the first one.
1: Well, you know, but... that's usually how it goes. hmm
0: hmm mm-hmm. Except for this series. Except for this series. There's a quite a few good ones. Starting. Start.
1: And a train there are three good ones in a train
0: <laughs> sorry <And> guys <laughs> hey listen i think there's two we've trains. waited long enough this train is worth it i'll take that back not to are... let this train derail this podcast
1: <laughs> that's true there are four good ones and a
2: train. that's two trains passing my house right now two trains
0: passing in the night
1: dang it's good. It's this, fine. This podcast like has a death curse.
0: <laughs> it's got a death curse. It's got a death curse. It's more trick than treat tonight, guys.
2: <laughs> Literally. Holy cow.
1: Dude, I drove by a for... sign and it said uh trunk or treat. And the first time I saw the sign, I was like, "That's that say drunk or treat? Like, <laughs> Is that a sign for a bar?
0: <laughs> That's a good name for a bar, though. That's a good name. Uh, Trick-or-treat is also a great name if you're uh, running a prostitution ring.
1: That's also true. (laughs) have a bunch of little kids show up and you act like a kitty cat.
0: Whoa. 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 You're going too far. That was
1: a callback to trick-or-treat.
0: I got you. We got it. (laughs) We got it. Uh, I will say I didn't... Stan must be a big fan of the Green Bay Packers. I've just got to point that out.
1: (laughs) Well... You're our arch ne- nemesis over there in uh, Chicago, Mike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John Carpenter's Halloween opens with uh, a point of view shot. We get this great uh, Steady Cam shot, one of the early Steady Cam shots, um, where we walk, we walk from the front of the house. We see uh, through a window. Um, Judith Myers and her boyfriend kissing making kissy faces what have you and uh going upstairs so our point of view our whoever we are we don't know at the moment walks through the back of the house we he goes into the kitchen and pulls out a a kitchen knife walks around and then our buddy's coming downstairs he literally had like a three pump chump i think Dude, <laughs> the
1: definition, man. I I don't know how you uh anyway, we'll move on. But yeah.
2: I've never heard that term before, but I was thinking that as well. Like, what what did did they do anything up there? <laughs> like what just happened? They
1: got naked, looked at each other and was like, This must be it.
0: <laughs> he he's, like, up, he's like All right,
2: gotta go. I got something else. I got something else I forgot I was supposed to do today. Just she touched him and he goes,
0: ah, Alright, I'll see you later.
1: He pulled a gym. <laughs> he pulled a gym.
0: He pulled a gym, yeah. Pulled a gym. So uh premature boyfriend goes downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him premature E Jack. <laughs> oh my gosh. So premature Jack goes downstairs and uh our point of view goes upstairs into, uh, grabs a mask that's laying at the top of the stairs, and the ca- uh, the mask goes over the camera and we're seeing through the eye holes of the mask. Um, the, the Judith is brushing her hair without her shirt on, and she turns around and is shocked by the person there and says, Michael, and is brutally stabbed multiple times with a knife. Michael! <laughs> The figure goes back downstairs, walks out of the front door, and is confronted by two people who pull off the mask to reveal a six year old boy wearing a clown outfit. And we get this great pull out crane shot to end the scene. What do you guys think of the opening of Halloween? Iconic. Go
1: ahead, Lydia.
0: That's
2: all I had. One word. Iconic.
1: It's kind of jarring. Because when you think of someone who commit a murder like that, you don't, the blur like the thing that is furthest from your mind is a six year old boy. And so that reveal is just like, whoa, he did that. So it's, it's jarring is what I would say.
0: Especially if it, if you could go back to not knowing what you know about Halloween and not knowing who Michael Myers was, you're watching this for the first time. Um, it's such a well-crafted scene. It's, uh, the camera work is beautiful. Uh, the direction's beautiful. It like flows so well, it creates a bunch of tension. And then that reveal, you're just kind of like, like you said, Whoa, this was a boy in 1963. And then the title card comes up and it's October 30th, 1978. And we're introduced to one of the greatest characters of all time. Dr. Sam Lewis. Mm -hmm. played by the great Donald Pleasance, uh, driving in a car with uh, Nurse Marion Chambers. Um, So, Dr. Loomis is uh, Michael's doctor, and he's basically talking to uh, the nurse about, she's asking him questions about, like, uh, so what do we do with this? What do we do with that? You know, like, uh, what are we going to give him? And he's like Thorazine. She says, well, he'll barely be able to stand. That's the idea. And he, we get the sense, basically immediately, she says, you never want him to get out, do you? Never, ever, ever. And she says, uh, he says, just don't underestimate it. You know, know what you're dealing with and never underestimate it. Don't you think we can refer to it as him? If you say so. What do you guys think of this this scene, the dialogue scene of them in the car? Um, I feel like it sets up, it starts to set up the mystique of who Michael Myers is. Before Mm -hmm. we even seen.
1: Yeah. It builds the legend, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And uh he's the closest thing, he's the closest person to Michael at this point. And so uh, you know, no one knows him better than his doctor, and he's referring to him not as a person but as uh an it, an entity of an entity. Yeah. So heed the warning.
0: Heed the warning. If only people would have listened to Doctor Loomis, we wouldn't have a franchise at all. We'd have the no movies. Wouldn't have had a franchise. <laughs> a lot of people would be would be alive, but you know, they don't. So Michael Myers kills and kills and kills. Mm-hmm. Forty years later, still killing, killing yeah. it. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so uh they arrive at the. um Miss go sanitarium and they see that it's broken into or like the 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 there's the the gates open and there's like uh patients wandering in the fields which is such a creepy image right i mean yeah that's disturbing. can you imagine like you're pulling up and you just see all these people in white gowns just walking numbly <laughs> Like that's that's terrifying for sure uh, so dr loomison runs to, to make a phone call and while he's doing that uh a figure, Michael, appears and jumps on top of the the car and there's that great, uh, that great scene uh, of him trying to get uh, where he steals the car. What do you guys think of that scene?
1: Well, uh, so, pulling up to uh, an insane asylum with a bunch of people roaming around out the yard in the middle of the night in the rain. Uh, Yeah, I would have put that fucker in reverse. (laughs) I would not have went forward. But, uh, yeah, it's, a great scene it's a it's a great scene, especially when he jumps on top of the car and that nurse is by herself yeah i'd have been flooring it i'd have been taking those guys out like they were (laughs) corn stalks oh my
0: god
2: no i would have been out of there too like as soon as i saw something was wrong i'd have been like nope 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 i mean you would think like loomis would have been like you should we should get out of here or like you should at least get out of here i need to go confront this but you should not stay around because this is not a good situation right now
0: well i think his thinking was that she'd be safer in the car than out yeah and then uh the shape attacks the car uh and you know because he sneaks behind loomis loomis doesn't even see him and he attacks the car and i love the suspense in the scene where they're uh where he's breaking through the uh trying to break into the car um it's so suspenseful and the music is so great during that scene, which is one, a thing that this movie is number one in is the music. I mean, Chuck Arbiter score for this is like next level. Good. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously it, I mean, it's one of the most iconic theme songs ever. Um, But also what's funny is (laughs) this movie, like, like I said, was made for $300 million or $300,000. And so when they break the the glass, this movie was not made to be seen in HD at the time. If you look closely when he breaks the glass, there's a wrench taped to his hand. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that, Lydia?
2: No, I've never seen that. That's crazy. I always wonder, yeah. I'm like, that does it doesn't look like it's fake glass. Like there's something something I couldn't figure out about that is like how the glass looks once it breaks.
0: Like, how did they do yeah, that? Yeah, so it is real glass. It is real glass, and it's a he has a wrench taped to his hand. And the film grain and the rain hit it in the '70s. Now with HD, you can clearly see it. But smack smacks into it. Actually, yeah. there's a bit there's a bit in Halloween Kills. You, you remember the bit where he attacks the car with Marion yeah. in it in, yeah. in Halloween Kills? You can see a wrench attached to his hand. They they reuse it as an homage to it. Yeah,
1: nice. that was, yeah, that I definitely caught that. Uh, I didn't catch mm-hmm. the wrench until I bought the mm-hmm. HD version on iTunes mm-hmm. and I was watching it and I was like, wait a second, I literally rewound it and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a wrench in this hand.
0: 100% I'd I never ran.
1: caught that before, but I did in Halloween Kills. I, I did catch the homage. There were a couple of uh,
0: really good homages. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this isn't a Halloween Kills movie. we'll, it's we'll not, get into it's that. Not, that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Michael's, the shape, spins off, he's not the shape quite yet, speeds off into the night. My, uh, Dr. Loomis yells about the evil being gone. The evil, the evil is gone from here. And, um, we're introduced to the city of Hattonfield, Halloween, 1978. And we see this sleepy town. And, uh, we're introduced to our final girl, our main character, uh, Laurie Strode, played by the great Jamie Lee Curtis, as she's uh, walking to uh, drop off keys to at the old Myers place. Her dad's a realtor. He, she runs into Tommy Doyle while she's um, while she's doing her walk and they have a great little dialogue, um, basically building upon the legend of Michael Myers. You know, Lonnie says you can't go there. We find out that he's her babysitter. We find out that she's uh, babysitting him that night. They're going to j- carve jack o' lanterns, all this fun stuff. Then we start to find out a little bit about the Myers house. Like it's, we see it; it's dilapidated now, and nobody's lived there. It has a Strode Realty sign in front of it, uh, trying to sell it. And um, she mentions he mentions that Lonnie, this kid that picks on him, says that you you know you can't go there; it's evil, and and the boogeyman lives there, and. She goes up to drop the keys off and when she does, the shape is inside and he sees her. And at that moment is when he fixates on Lori. Um, So what do you guys uh, think of our introduction to Lori Strode?
2: I love her. I love that. I love her character. She did such a good job of acting like was this her first movie?
0: This was her first major movie, yes. She, yeah, did, she did so incredible.
2: Right?
0: Oh, The Fog? Yeah, oh yeah. The The yeah. Fog's after this.
1: Oh, it is. It's after this, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, Fog is 1980. One. Well, yeah, bad. this is 1978.
2: This was yeah, her first ma- did, major
0: role. Yeah, her first lead role, for sure. She did
2: such an incredible job as Lori. Like I love this character so much. Yeah, I it's a very how relatable natural character. She is. Yeah. Yes. It really is. She's so natural at it too. And like just she's just like doing her thing, just mm-hmm, minding her own business. Yep, you know. In Super the very smart. next scene,
0: that's that's what she's doing in the very next scene. She's after she Tommy runs off, she's walking, singing a song to herself, and we see the shape over the shoulder. Uh he his shoulder comes into camera and we see him watching her walk away. Bye.
1: Bye. I wish I had you all alone. Just the two of us.
0: Great stuff. I love that shot. That last that shot of him watching her is so creepy. It's just like you know, if, if she only turned around, she would see that something's bad's going to happen, but she just had, she's oblivious. She's a teenage girl living her life, just studying and doing her work and yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so then we flash to, uh, Dr. Loomis at, um, Smith's Grove Sanitarium and he's talking to a doctor and this is a great line. Uh, you know, at all point, uh, roadblocks and all point bulletin wouldn't stop a five-year-old and They bring up how, you know, Sam, he can't have got far. He can't even drive. He was doing very well last night. Maybe somebody around Mm -hmm. here gave him lessons. So we see that Dr. Loomis is actually on the hunt. It's not just a matter of, okay, so this happened and he's going to report it. He's on the hunt. He needs to stop this guy. Uh This is his, uh, Moby Dick, so to speak. So he needs to, he needs to bag this white whale, um, and, uh, so then we cut to Lori in class and she's, um, basically they're doing like a lecture. And while, while the teacher is talking about fate, uh, of all things, speaking about the, the, the concept of fate, Lori looks out of the window and she sees the shape, uh, standing behind the, uh, behind his car, just staring at her. And the teacher calls on her. She answers the, the, uh question basically like that fate is a uh element of nature like earth wind wire, fire and water and she looks back and the shape is gone i love these little bits throughout the movie there's a bunch of them but when you just see the shape watching her from afar and his fixation is uh such, would be such a scary thing to have happen to you we see dr loomis ends up um pulling over at a train track to, to make a phone call and uh, while he's there, he's trying to call the Haddonfield Police Department. And um, while he's there, he finds a uh, a truck pulled over on the side of the road. And he um, checks it out and finds Michael's gown in the truck. And he also finds the matches from the car in the truck as well. And so he knows that Michael had been there. He doesn't look to the right, because if he would have, he would have saw the dead dude. whose, whose overalls Michael stole and and basically wears through the next for the for the rest of the night um that what do you guys think of this little scene
2: I was I think that's really interesting that it really like it shows you the the matches and then you see them and you're like wait a minute didn't I just see those a second ago like it it definitely like walks you through it, but it's like a nice little, like, like, where did those come from? What's the story with these?
0: Yeah. Why are we focusing
2: on this?
0: (laughs) Yeah. When, when, when he's in the car, that's what, I mean, you wonder why do we see a close up of the matches? And then we get the payoff a few scenes later is because it shows Lewis that he's on the right trail that he is heading towards Haddonfield. And it also lets us know that, Oh, he's already killing again. So this is not good. (laughs) This is not good at all.
2: Also, you would think Dr. Loomis would know not to just like start cleaning up a crime scene.
0: <laughs> like I mean, he was starts just like
2: picking stuff up.
0: That's <laughs> true. It like, was the seventies. They didn't have they didn't have any uh, forensic they're just like, yeah, whatever. Well, I, I mean, he found it.
1: <laughs> There's a dead body. Just, what do you want me to what do you want me to do? <laughs> like
2: the, what was he they... picking up? Were those were those gowns or was that
0: It was the it was Michael's gown. That he picked okay. up out of it. So, it was the get- was so like, that's why he grabbed it. everywhere? So that's what you. it was. It was his, his gown. And that's what, how he realizes, okay, so he was definitely here. That and the Red, uh, the red Rabbit uh, matches. So then he mm-hmm. goes off knowing, shit, he's definitely heading for Hattonfield. And then um, Lori, we meet Lori's two best friends, uh, Linda and Annie. Um, Annie is the Sheriff's daughter And Linda is a cheerleader And we get this scene of them Walking home together Which is Stuff that I really love I love the scenes where just the three girls Walking and talking And you see the shape in the background and such There's some spotty acting from these young actors Happens But uh, I mean not Jamie, she's great throughout the whole thing Um, But Um, it's a, I think it's really natural. It's like how I, how I talk to my friends on the way home, just joking with each other and just talking about what you're doing that night and all this stuff. Um, and then the shape drives by and they see him and, you know, Lori recognizes him because he's been watching her all day. And she says, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, is this, this guy? He's real cute and annie yells at him you know speed ki- speed kills and he slams on the brakes for a beat and then he drives off and she says this line in a worst way the it's one of my the worst line deliveries is
2: totally i hate a guy with a car and no sense of humor
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah but um it builds a great fear um What do you guys think of this little bit?
2: Is this, like, this part's when he, like, slams on his brakes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty freaky. Like, that's pretty freaky. And I think I am definitely, like, the Laurie Strode in this situation where I am, I'm the one that's, like, really cautious every single time, like, anybody does anything. I'm like, okay, wait, what are they doing? Like, and she, you kind of see her, like, concerned because she knows like okay I've seen this car I don't think that's who you think it is and now they're just slamming on their brakes like that's a sketchy thing to see and and then everybody else is just kind of like who cares like la di da whatever they're just kids and they don't care about anything but she is is like already being cautious and like getting freaked out now
0: yeah she's already uh, kind of aware of her surroundings which is important It's what makes her survive is that she's Uh... Cognizant of her surroundings, um, so they they uh, they basically talk about how they they come up with a plan that Linda's going to come over because uh, Annie's boyfriend can't come over because he was soaping windows; he got caught. So Linda's going to uh, come over with her boyfriend Bob, and her boyfriend Bob is going to uh, they're going to basically she's going to take um Lindsay upstairs to bed or take her over to Lori's and then they're going to basically get it on at the house. They're going to use their house to get it on. And uh she says, Oh great, so I have uh you know three options. Uh watch the kids sleep, listen to Linda screw around, or hang out with you when she's speaking with Lori. <laughs> so um <laughs> Linda goes home, and Lori and Annie are walking by themselves. And Laurie sees the shape uh, step out behind a bush, watching them from a distance. And then he steps back in, and she stops and says, "It's that guy who you yelled out of the car." And Linda, being like just, you know, brave and like not giving a shit, she's like, "Oh, subtle, isn't he?" She makes her way over there, and you know, of course, he's not there. And she's like, you know, "Oh, scared another one away, Lori and um you know so then she ends up heading to the house as well i love this what do you guys think of the, the bush scene it's it's such an iconic shot
2: yeah it is i i looked at jake and i was like i cannot not picture every single meme i've seen of this shot
0: <laughs> yeah it's been memified to death now yeah
2: yeah for sure but it's, it's still an iconic, iconic and it's like it's it's kind of cheesy now, I think, a little bit, but um, it's definitely, like, the moment where, like, why didn't she just, like, hit her and be like, look, look right now, hurry. Like, well, she right, did, but she, a was looking, a
0: mask. She, she was looking down, uh, messing with something when she did, and by the time she looked up, the shape had already stepped back. So she was just kind of like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, The thought of somebody creeping behind bushes and watching you is a really scary thought to me. I'm not scared by a lot of stuff, but like somebody stalking me would be scary. I feel like that. I mean, it's such an evasion of privacy and it's such a creepy thing. What do you think, Derek?
1: Uh, for sure. Um, especially like if they're hiding behind bushes and things like that, like that's a, that's a next level (laughs) type of situation. And especially if you're a vulnerable, uh, person, I mean, whether you're a guy or a girl, but, uh, in this case it just happened to be a girl uh like i'm sure that that's probably one of the most frightening things she had encountered up until that point so yeah definitely especially when you see him wearing
0: like a creepy creepy white mask white and like, mask what's yeah. going on over there and overalls
1: yeah. and he's real like straight you know he's not showing any emotion <clears throat> very methodical it seems as well uh from your perspective so yeah
0: yeah, I mean... yeah, and you've seen this motherfucker everywhere. That's the other thing. You're just like, <laughs> guys, there's something going, going on here. Maybe I'm just seeing it. Maybe I'm going crazy. So uh, she drops Linda. Uh, they, Linda or um, Annie goes into the house, and uh, she runs into, we meet Sheriff Brackett, who she runs into, and he says, it's Halloween. Everybody's entitled to one good scare, uh, which is a big jump scare. And Lori makes her way back home, and uh, goes upstairs to her room and looks out of the window and she sees the fucking shape just standing. <laughs> like this creepy, um, this creepy guy's, um, Mr. Riddle is the guy's name, standing in Mr. Riddle's uh, yard where they have a clothesline hanging clothes. That shot is actually really scary. That is a terrifying idea. And then he, she, you know, he's just gone. He disappears almost in front of her eyes. You know, I mean, mm-hmm.
2: I mean. It's like, it doesn't make sense no. how he keeps disappearing. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, what's at what scary. Point... It's like, how is he doing this?
1: Yeah. And at what point do you want not tell somebody with authority? Like, hey, I've seen this guy several times. He was in the backyard of the neighbors looking up at my window. Like, he's freaky. Or two, I don't know, arm yourself. Get like a knife at minimum and put it in your purse or whatever. Or something. I'd be. Uh, Lori carries up.
0: around knitting needles, Derek. He's hey. good to go. hmm They come in they're handy dangerous. later. They come in handy for sure. Yeah. Um. This next scene is actually one of my all-time favorite scenes in the movie. Annie comes and picks her up, and they're driving to the uh, babysitting place, and they they run into their, they they start smoking pot first of all. They just start smoking weed and listening to fear don't fear the reaper. <laughs> I mean, classic 70s. Mm. And, uh, Great song. They end up getting, uh, they see Sheriff Brackett at like a, a hardware store. And so she pulls, I don't know why she pulls over. I don't, I mean, she could have completely just <laughs> kept going. But she's like, my dad! And put, go ahead, get rid of it. Put it out. Quit making faces. He's going to know. So they pull over to scene. <laughs> and I was like, I would have just told like, 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 kept... hi, dad. <laughs> yeah, when you've just hey. done the. Hi. Yeah. So, right. So she stops and talks to him, and he reveals that uh, he thinks it's kids because they broke in and stole uh, a mask, some rope, and a couple of knives, which we find out what happens with all of those things. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, also, uh, they are being tailed by Michael at this the point. The shape is low. following them. Yeah.
0: Yes. Which is a great you know shot. Them? I love when we see it. Actually, I cribbed the shot in Cutoff. We actually did, steal yeah. the shot where um she's driving and we see the shape come around the corner uh and start following them i, I stole that actually it's like almost a shot for shot steal <laughs> i'm gonna be honest so pretty close to it um but it's such a great shot it's such a, like a scary idea you know like how oblivious these girls are to the danger that's lurking especially since At this point, the the audience, as the audience, we're starting to understand the danger of this guy. You know, we hear the stories, we hear Loomis talk about how scary he is. And then we uh, witness him attack a woman, we see a dead body, and so we're like, this can't be good. You know, this is not good. So after this scene that they have with Sheriff Brackett and the girls drive off, this is why it's one of my favorite scenes. The girls drive off. Dr. Loomis approaches right at that time and talks to Sheriff Brackett. He's, you know, saying, you know, give me 5 minutes or give me 10 minutes. And as and Loomis is waiting and he looks to the right and as he looks to the right the shape passes behind him. And then he looks to where the shape was. He was this close to finding him right there and stopping all of this. And it's so like such a great scene that's where all of our central characters intersect. So brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh brilliantly staged scene so then we get into uh basically the babysitting times um lori heads over to little tommy doyle and she goes over to Lindsay wallace's house and um we get some babysitting scenes i i i really like the low-key babysitting scenes in this movie because they're so like realistic what do you guys mm-hmm. think of these scenes
2: yeah, it's pretty sweet that she, like, picks out a pumpkin for Tommy to carve. And, like, she's, you know, she's like, we got popcorn ready. We're going to watch scary movies. I'm going to try to keep this kid entertained. And hopefully he goes to sleep so I can chill and just knit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So like I like groovy and I,
1: groovy Saturday night or Friday night. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess. And it's such a, uh, like, I mean... Why I like them is they're really relatable because I can picture being babysat and similar situations. You know, like as far as, like you know, oh, so the babysitter gets this fun stuff for us to do, and we watch these movies or we do these things when I was much younger. And it's very interesting that uh, that they were able to capture that as well as they as they did. And especially, I love watching the old movies that they're watching. They're watching uh, Howard Hawks is the the thing. And, uh, thing from another world. And I just love, like, you know, like the lock your doors, bolt your windows. It's just like I remember watching those, like, old 50s horror movies when I was a kid. Like, oh, they're so spooky. Great stuff. Meanwhile, Dr. Loomis has, uh, talked to Sheriff Brackett and lured him to basically had him go to the Myers house because that's where he thinks that Michael will go. Um, you know, too bad they didn't have Dr. Loomis around for Halloween Kills. It would have been a shorter movie. Uh, <laughs> they go in and they investigate the Myers house. And they walk through. They find a dead dog. Um, they're upstairs and he starts to talk about this is where Judith was killed. And uh, the gutter goes and breaks the window. and uh, What's a really solid scare. And um, he starts to tell the story of Michael Myers. What do you guys think of Loomis's speech here about the devil's eyes?
2: Love it. It's really good. Real spooky.
1: Just uh, adds another brick to the uh, the mythology of of Michael Myers.
0: Yeah, it's so uh, one of, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my yeah. favorite uh, uh, scenes, and and so well acted by. Uh, Donald Pleasant, you, know, he, he, you know, I love the bit where he says the, uh, his pale, emotionless face in the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Okay. And then you find out, you know, that he's been treating this guy for um, 15 years, you know. He spent the first half trying to reach him, and then the last half trying to make sure he never gets out because he realized that this was pure evil. This wasn't a man. This was evil. And it's such a interesting concept, and it's such a scary thought that the only guy that is close enough to him to actually know anything about him says he needs to, he needs to fucking die. <laughs> like, he's, he's bad news. Doesn't bode well, huh? It doesn't
1: doesn't uh, doesn't bode well at all.
0: So, um, around this time, uh, we see that we know that the shape is actually stalking um basically stalking annie at this point he's over at both the girl you know watching both the girls but he's stalking annie he pops up behind a tree and then there's this great bit where he's like watching her from the window while she's in the kitchen and uh annie calls laurie and they're they're on the phone together and she talks about Uh, how earlier when they were in the car, Lori reveals that she has a crush on Ben Tramer. Um, And she says she called him and he went, you know, he's really excited about it and such just high school girl stuff, you know. Oh, no, I'm embarrassed. Don't tell him. And she's like, well, he's already went out drinking. I can't say it was a lie, blah, blah. And they're just so oblivious to the evil that's literally right outside the window. Um, she spills stuff on her shirt. So she takes off all of her clothes. <laughs> what are you gonna do
1: in that situation? What are you gonna
0: do? <laughs> she takes off all of her clothes and decides to go wash the laundry. And uh wash her clothes. So she goes to the um like the little laundry hut, I guess is what you'd call it. I don't know what the hell you call it. Laundry hut sound good to you guys? Sure. That sucks that it's outside.
1: Yeah,
2: like detached.
0: Yeah, it's like a shed. Yeah, it's like nicer than a shed.
1: Do laundry. It is nicer
0: than a shed. No, that would be terrible. I mean, I have to go down to the basement, which sucks, to do my laundry. That does suck. Yeah. But at least it's not outside. At least I don't have to walk outside to do it. Imagine in the winter, you have to just Uh, like put on your parka and go out and do your laundry. No, we had to do, do, do that in the
1: I'm gonna we go lived.
0: do the laundry. Yeah. So they uh she goes out to the laundry hut and she's doing her laundry and we see the uh we see the shape in the background. This this what do you guys think of this scene? Just this whole laundry scene.
2: I think it's so annoying. Her character kind of sucks. <laughs> but it's like it's funny. Like, I think it's mostly funny because I mean, her voice, she's like, Lindsay, Lindsay. I mean, it's just like, (laughs) just the most obnoxious person. The dog hates her. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, dogs always are the ones to tell you like, who's good and who's bad. And he's just sorry. like, she thinks he's, he's barking at her, which I think he's really actually barking at Michael Myers. But um, yeah, I just I think it's pretty I think it's a really funny scene that she just like is being clumsy, she spills stuff on her, she's like gets stuck in the window.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it juxtaposes that comedy with absolute terror when you see the shape in the background of shots and you see yeah. like especially when the door blows open and you see him standing outside the door through the blinds. Such a great shot. You see it through the sheer uh window dressing. What do you think, Derek?
1: Uh, I think it's a it's the beginning of one of the most classic uh, endings to any horror movie ever, first off. Um, But yeah, I mean, from this point on the suspense just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, It
0: just keeps tightening. Yeah.
1: Yep. For sure. But I do like the little comedic uh, piece to it because it does lighten it a little bit.
0: Especially when um, after she gets stuck, uh, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay comes out to uh, check on her and said, Paul was on the phone. Paul had called and she's stuck. She's got her foot stuck in the freaking thing and she's been over the window. So she helps her down and she goes, Listen, we can't tell anybody about this. The phone rang and Lindsay runs in and immediately tells Paul that she got stuck in a window, which <laughs> is such a kid thing to do. I love it so much. Yeah. Paul, That's great. the voice of Paul is played by John Carpenter, if you didn't know. Totally John's voice. Stuck, huh? Did not know that. <laughs> yes, John Carpenter. That's awesome. So, you know, this scene is also one of my favorites. I love that she's, uh, she's talking on the phone. She has her back to the door. And we see the shape standing in the doorway watching her. She walks in front of it. We come back and he's gone such a just a scary concept. Uh also we we forgot to mention earlier she lets the dog out and the dog gets strangled by Michael Myers. So it's gone. The dog's gone. Um so she has no protection whatsoever. And um so she tells Paul basically I'll come and pick you up. You know, I'll we'll, we'll pick you up and we'll, you know, uh we'll have fun tonight. So she Talks to Lindsay, and Lindsay's like, you know, I want to stay here and watch this. Well, if I can make it where you get to uh, watch movies with Tommy Doyle, would that make you happy? Yeah. So they just show up to Lori's, to the Doyle residence where Lori is. This is such a, like, teenage, terrible, irresponsible thing to do. She just is going to drop the kid off with Lori (laughs) so she can go screw her boyfriend.
1: Kids are like goalies. They only make it harder to score.
0: (laughs) Everything makes it harder to score to you.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't help it.
0: So, uh... Yeah, so she goes over there, and basically Lori says, I'll watch him, or I'll watch her if you tell Ben Tramer that you were kidding. So she says, yes, I'll do that. So... She leaves, and, um taking off your mustache
2: yeah it was like half like coming off of my face so yeah no, i'm just gonna you don't have to shave wear it the real quick
0: time. yep you're good you say shave really got a quick. little
1: bit of glue yeah well if she's taking hers off i'm taking mine
0: off too whoa whoa no strip striptease on the pot this is a public podcast Hey, I, mean,
1: I can leave tips <laughs> in the bottom I can leave links to. I'm gonna
0: keep mine on. I think. Well, no, I should probably take it off too. Yeah, i so There, right I'll now. take mine off too. <laughs> look <laughs> at that. I feel, I feel so weird too. being clean shaven.
2: I know. I feel weird too now. I'm like, ooh, I look like. You know, I get the baby face thing. Like I feel like a baby right now.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where high. guys are always. Yellow is not my I'm color. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You look like a big giant ball of mustard. <laughs>
1: I I think it looks good Everyone strives to be a big ball of mustard For sure
0: (laughs) Who doesn't try to be a big ball of mustard So um, uh, Annie goes back into the house uh, And she's getting ready And she starts singing this fucking song My
2: Paul I give you all No keys But please
0: So she's singing this song about Paul. By the way, I love her socks. I just got to add that. Love how her socks are pulled clear up to almost to her knee. Such a 70s look. And uh, looks good. I'm a fan. fan Um, So she, uh, she grabs the key. She goes to the car. It's locked. So she goes to grab the keys. Uh, She grabs the keys, walks back up, and opens it. Doesn't even realize that she didn't unlock the door. And when she gets in, it's super fogged up. And she's just so oblivious to it. She's not paying attention. And then she realizes that she's like, what is this? And the shape pops up behind her and starts strangling her. And there's a little bit of a struggle where he's like choking her to death. Then he just brutally takes the knife and slices. (sighs) slices her throat just... and then she pat and falls onto the horn ending the scene what do you guys think of annie's death scene
1: it's great up until the point she actually dies because <laughs> uh she definitely like overacts the facial expressions after she's dead but uh it so it, it makes me wonder if like that was always the original plan or if they started to film the scene and realized that the condensation was uh, building up inside the car, then they're just like, hey, we'll use this as an element of her life. No, like...
0: I'm I'm sure that it was meant to be there. You, you uh, think it was
1: always meant to be that way?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it was meant to be there because we as the audience are supposed to see that the windows are fogged up, so there's danger, and that the door's unlocked. And mm-hmm. she's oblivious to all all of these okay so i definitely think so that we'll was a, that but uh i definitely yeah. think it was a stylistic choice
1: yeah i think it was it was great it was uh like her recognizing and the she makes a face like why would this be fogged mm-hmm. up i don't get it and then she starts to get strangled so really the only like critique i have of that scene is just at the end when she's like you know what i mean <laughs> but well, it, it's cross. really great I, mean- I like it a lot
0: Well, I mean, who knows? You never know what face you're going to make when your throat slit. I mean, that's true. (laughs) But... Lydia, what do you think of Annie's death?
2: I think it's really terrifying. Um, I don't, like... I don't even want to put myself there and try to imagine being in that situation of somebody being in my back seat. I always check my back seat. Every time I get in my car, and I think it's because of this movie.
0: <laughs> it's 100%. Too. It's 100% because of this movie. I do that, too. If it's, like, late at night, and I'm leaving somewhere, and it's dark, and I'm by myself, I open the door, and I check the back seat. I'm like, I want to see if it's, if it's coming. If I open it, and there's somebody there, I'm shutting the door, and I'm just running as fast as I can. Uh, but, yeah, I always check the back seat, too. <laughs> Damn you, John Carpenter! <laughs> You made us all check the back seats of our cars.
1: Well, there there's this I there's one other movie that I recall that uh like that I remember there being somebody in the back seat of a car. And it it was um what's the name of it? It was uh the one with like urban legend.
0: Oh, the yep, opening yep. scene hey. of urban
1: legend has that as well. Cuz it's this, an
0: old urban legend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but this The honking
0: movie. or flashing his lights.
1: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah it's such a terrifying that.
0: idea.
2: Let me in also has a really scary oh, uh
0: yeah. back of the car. Just always check the back of your car, folks. You never know. You never know if the like shape is hiding chocolates. in there. Um so after that we get this um we see Tommy and he's trying to scare Lindsay. He's like goes and hides behind the sheet or the the drapes and he's like Lindsay, Lindsay, and he turns around and looks and he sees this beautiful shot of a backlit shape carrying Annie's dead body around the house from the garage. I love this shot so much. It's such a scary idea because he Mm -hmm. sees him earlier in the movie watching. There's another great shot where he's lit from similar and the shape is looking into the window and Tommy says the boogeyman and Lori's on the phone, and she looks out, and, she, and then he's gone. She's like, there's nobody out there. Just go watch TV. And then goes back to it. Um, So this, she said, he, basically, Lori says, quit. You know, knock it off. Uh, you're scaring Lindsay. If you don't stop, I'm going to make turn off the movie and make you go to bed. And he says, nobody ever believes me. And Lindsay says, I believe you. And she, it's so, so great. She's like fine. Like, whatever. (laughs) I was trying to protect you, but whatever you say. So, um, after this, uh, we cut back to Dr. Loomis still sitting outside of, uh, he's sitting outside of the Shapes' house, waiting for him to come back, and, uh, we get a scare when, well, first, these little kids, one of them being Lonnie Elam, uh, are being dared to go up to the Myers' house. And he's, walking up towards it, and Dr. Loomis scares him to keep him away, and he's like, Lonnie, get your ass away from there.
2: Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there.
0: Look, <laughs> Dr. Loomis smiles to himself. He's so proud of himself, and he gets the shit scared out of him by Sheriff Brackett. Yeah. Love it. And he has Love another scene. He, it's so funny, isn't it? Such a good little it scene. It's very funny. It's so good. And then he, uh, He gives another great dialogue to uh, Sheriff Brackett, because he says, you know, I have a feeling you're way off on this. He's like, well, then your feeling's wrong. You know, for 15 years, I, I watched him. You know, I watched him stare at the wall, look past the wall, not see the wall, being incredibly patient for this night. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it, or you can help me to stop it. And he says, more fancy talk, you know. He's like, so I'm going to go out and look for him. I'll be back in an hour. So Loomis stays put. And uh, I love this scene. It's, it, it sets more suspense, more mythology for Michael. And we see that the, bad, or that the good guys are looking in the complete wrong place. Mm-hmm. Which is what makes it so, you know, makes it so effective. Because you're like, he's killing people over there. <laughs> you, he's over there. What do you guys think of this scene?
2: Yeah, it's it's frustrating because you just want to tell them you're like, come on, like, just walk around a little bit. But they really they just don't have, you know, they just don't know. Like, they can't help it, you know?
0: No, they don't know what they're dealing with. They're a small town sheriff's department. They, uh, you know, only have what they have and they just are oblivious to what the shape is, essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah. And until um, Lori comes out like screaming, you know, there's no sign of anything being wrong anywhere.
0: Right, right. So it's just another normal night. So, and he says, when Sheriff Bragg comes back, he goes, I see kids, you know, soaping windows, uh, making out, getting high, normal Halloween stuff. Nothing, you know, I think you're way off on this. So. It's just yeah you 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 start to get frustrated at because d- nobody listens to Doctor Loomis and that's the problem that you know you they luckily don't repeat in the sequels uh, once we get into the the those sequels the four five and six um, because you know in four he shows up and he's like uh, listen this is going on instead of doing the oh you're crazy old man they're like Doctor Loomis we know you Michael Myers is back what the fuck. That was bad news when he was back last time. Um, So Linda and Bob show up in this van. (laughs) It's like they pull up in a fucking mystery machine that is covered in beer cans. So they've both been drinking. We do not recommend drinking and driving on this podcast. Um, But they've been drinking and they see this really weird line where Bob says, you know, like, oh, yeah, totally get it. Uh, you know, first I tear your clothes off. Then you tear my clothes off. Then we tear Lindsay's clothes off. Yeah, I get it. And you're like, and, you know, they laugh about it. <laughs> like, whoa. Whoa, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: that's not funny at all.
0: Yeah. Chill your roll, Bob. Chill your roll. Like,
2: how how much of a turn off is that for, you know, like, she just laughs and thinks that's like hilarious. I'm like, oh, like anybody would be like, no, don't say that ever. That's
0: horrible. You damn creep.
2: The signs, so you know, he... you got to watch out for those signs.
0: Yeah, red flags. Red flags. Red flags. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, they go inside and they see that there's, uh, you know, nobody there. And they start to make out on the couch and we see the shadow of, the shape on the wall, walk past them. Um so they make a phone call to Lori to find out where Annie is. And Lori says, Oh, she's not back yet? She must have stopped off with Paul. You know, they're probably doing it somewhere essentially. And uh he says, um, you know, okay, uh, well, let let me know when she gets back because I need to know what time to put Lindsay to bed. So basically Lori's gonna watch her the rest of the night. How do you think the Wallace parents are going to be taking this, by the way? Like, let's say Michael Myers isn't in this picture and the shape is gone. Um how would you feel coming home and your daughter's not there, but you find out that, oh, it's because she stayed at the other person's house?
1: Be the last time I used that babysitter.
0: Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Now I'm like, thinking that no the plan trust. was her. I'm thinking her plan was to put Lindsay to bed. Then when she got home, she was going to take her back over to their house. It's probably the plan, but sure. it's just like such an irresponsible thing to do. Yeah. So they go upstairs to have sex. um, And they do. And they have this, this, this sex scene, which is something. Oh, and is the something. phone keeps, the phone keeps ringing. So he takes it off the hook. He's like, let's take it off the hook. And so they're doing it in these people's beds, taking their phones off the hook. It's like, these are terrible people. <laughs> um, so Bob decides to go downstairs after they, after they have their sex. What do you guys think of their, their super excellent sex scene?
1: I mean, it was longer than a two pump jump at the beginning. So I <laughs> That's guess.
0: true. That's true.
1: I guess uh, a little
0: longer than Primo.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was awkward and weird, but uh, it is what it is. And I think this is actually the scene where the shadow... Yes, uh, it
0: happens here, too. It happens twice. Twice, okay. Yeah, it happens when they're on the couch, we see the shape. And then when they're actually in bed, we see his shadow walk by as well. So we know he's lurking. So he's probably watching like a perv. And... um he's I mean, a
1: six-year-old boy in his mind, so, Yeah,
0: yeah. He's probably like, what the fuck? So, uh, they go off. or Bob goes to get them, get them beers. And he hears some stuff. So, he thinks it's Linda uh, or uh, Annie playing a trick on him. Linda or Annie. Opens up the door and he's attacked by the shape. And grabbed by his throat, picked up against the wall, and stabbed. And
1: we mm-hmm. get this
0: great shot of his toes uh, uncurling. And then uh, the shape has him pinned up against the wall and he does the the greatest thing. One of the most iconic. He tilts his head to admire his artwork. What do you guys think of Bob's Kill?
2: It's so disturbing because it's just so sudden. And it's like she doesn't hear anything. It's super quick which i feel like realistically it probably wouldn't have happened like that but um yeah it is disturbing how he just kind of like stabs him he's dead and he just is like admiring his work and just like moves
1: on it's the first uh well i mean the only other time i think you you could kind of see it uh was maybe at the beginning but um it's the first time I think that you really get a sense of how brutally strong he is, because he picks this grown man up off the ground. It's a hard feat to do, and then holds him there. I think with, with one, one arm. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. And then stabs him. <clears throat> uh, so this is the first like element of uh, maybe a little bit of supernatural uh, aspect mm-hmm. to it, but just how brutally strong he is.
0: Yeah, and not only does he stab Unpowerful. him, but he stabs him hard enough to pin him to the wall.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Um and yeah, it's such a great it's so iconic and so like scary when he when he tilts his head, it's just, you know, movie magic happening. Mm-hmm. So and,
2: and to have no blood in this kill or in this movie. I don't think there's like any blood in this movie. It's a little not bit gory. when you see the
0: uh yeah, when you see the dead guy at the uh, at the truck, you see right blood it, but...
1: his his sister had some blood on him on her. But yeah, it's not gory. You're it, right. Yeah. But it's not
2: gory, it's not, and it's no, especially with this kill. It's like there's no blood in this kill, and it's so scary. It's so unsettling.
0: It's a great. It's one. like you
2: didn't. You just didn't need all of that to to make this scene as scary
0: as it is. Mm-hmm. So then we uh, go to which another iconic great scene. Linda's in bed and the door opens and we see the shape wearing a ghost, uh, uh, cut out sheets like a ghost and Bob's glasses over top of him. Such a funny image, but also disturbing because he thought, you know, this is him doing his, his prank. You know, he's a six-year-old boy, essentially. So he's doing his prank, dressed as Bob to lure her in, and it's, like, such a funny but unsettling thought that he, that he thought enough, you know what, I'm going to put on, I'm going to dress like a ghost and put on his glasses, and she's totally going to think it's him. She's going to let her guard down, then I'm going to murder her. It worked. Yeah, yeah, like a charm. Uh, so she, you know, shows him her breasts, and he's like, you know, anything you like, blah, blah. Do I not get your ghost, Bob? And so when she realizes that, she's like, you're being really weird. You know, uh, this is going nowhere. I'm calling Lori. Um, he comes up from behind her and starts, after she's dialed, and strangles her with the with the phone wire. Mm-hmm. And as, she, as he's strangling her, she pulls the sheet down, and we get our first really good look at what the mask looks like, what the shape's mask looks like. And Lori's, you know, like, oh, so I get your, you know, first I got your obscene chewing. Now I get your obscene moaning. And you just hear the shape breathing on the other end. And he puts the phone up to his ear and it's so freaking creepy. When there's motionless mask mm-hmm. on the phone. And then it goes dead. She looks out of the window and she sees all the lights go on and then off. So she's like, something's something's funky here. I don't like it. So uh, what do you think of, before we move on to the, the third act, what do you think of Linda's death?
2: It's pretty, it's interesting, I would say, because, I mean, like, being strangled takes a while, and it's really scary, and the fact that she's on the phone and someone's hearing it. But she does sound like she is, like, moaning. <laughs>
1: like mm-hmm.
2: So mm-hmm. you're like, um, <laughs> like, you should have, like, maybe tried to not sound like that. I don't know it's you know <laughs> it is what it is but it was supposed to sound like that so that she wouldn't like immediately think anything be of scared. it yeah yeah so i mean it, she figures it out because she's aware and she's been freaked out this whole time
0: Derek uh
1: i i've got a couple thoughts about this so it's the first time that you uh, also, Michael shows any sign other than like, the emotionless. Like, to your point, he's got the mental capacity of a six-year-old, right? And so like, the fact that he puts the ghost uh, like, outfit on is something that, uh, you know, you might do as a, as a kid, but it's the first time he ever like, kind of breaks character as this emotionless, like, Uh, Well, it's when we start
0: to see a little bit of his personality, because he has a personality.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's the first time I can think of that you really get to see his personality um, show itself. And then also, like, later, regarding those two, uh, or the one, he shows a bit of his personality as well. We'll get to that in just a minute, but But yeah, it's a very interesting scene.
0: So Laurie is... Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So Lori is wondering what the hell's going on. And the kids are in bed. She goes up, sees the kids tucked in. She goes downstairs and she locks the door like a responsible babysitter. Locks the door, goes across the street to see what the hell's going on here. And um, she walks in and all the lights are out. And um, she's, you know, going throughout the house. Um, she walks into the bedroom and she sees Annie's body sprawled out. This is
1: what I was talking about.
0: Yeah. See Annie's body sprawled out with Judas Headstone. We, we skipped that scene. Uh, Dr. Loomis arrives to the gravestone or to the cemetery and we find out that Judas' gravestone has been uprooted. Mm-hmm. And now we know why. Because he's placed Judas' headstone uh, behind Annie, basically, this is my, you know, this is the, my sister kind of thing. The, you know, this is the same thing happening. So he, so she, of course, is terrified. He, she has her throat split. Lori backs up into the closet, and Bob swings down. Mm-hmm. And then she hits him up. She backs up more, and the door opens, and she sees Annie's body crushed off in there. So she runs out. And she has her back to this door in the best shot in the movie. Best you shot see the shape movie, yeah. the shape just appear behind her, like just from nowhere to just slowly he's there.
1: Yeah. And he
0: s- stabs her and uh, slices her arm, and she falls down the stairs, and the chase is on. What do you think of that shot, you guys, of, of her in the closet, or him appearing behind her from the closet?
1: the scariest thing i've ever seen in my life that's it yeah it's uh that is a masterful shot because out of the darkness comes this white pale face this emotionless face and it's like right behind her and it it it's it's gorgeous It, it it's one of the best shots i can think of in a horror movie it's amazing lydia yeah
0: i
2: agree i it's so effective. So freaky. That's exactly what you picture when the lights go out and oh. you're like alone and you're kind of like getting creeped out and you just like start feeling something behind you. And that's like what you picture every time.
0: It's that's, like it. Something,
2: that's it. Something is happening. I know it is.
0: <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So she falls down the stairs and the chase is on. There's a great shot where he appears at the top of the stairs holding a knife. She runs. And he bump, uh, goes down the stairs at a brisk pace. She shuts the door, locks it, and tries to get out the back door. And this rake had fallen and jammed it. She can't open it. Well, the shape punches through the the door and is opening it. So she does what we would... Say, you know, when we're watching a movie, just break the glass. She breaks the glass, pushes the, pushes the thing out and runs, runs off and, um, does her thing. So she, she runs off and, um, goes across the street and the shape appears walking across the street. She can't get the keys out. She lost them. She's trying to get the door open. So she throws a plan up and wakes up Tommy like, come on, let me in, let me in. And there he comes, bounding down. And right as he's about to get to her, the door opens. She gets in and shuts it. Locks the door. Tells them to go run upstairs and hide in the closet. And she grabs her knitting needle. And she turns around and sees that the window is open. And she's afraid that he's in there. Which, of course, he is. He pops up behind her. She stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle, pulls it out, and falls down. Seemingly dead, right? What do you guys think of this little chunk?
2: That always freaked me out that she used a knitting needle. Like, it was like, I don't think it had ever occurred to me that that would be ever used as a weapon. (laughs) So that was always like a thing that it's like the most innocent thing. A knitting needle. Like, you don't... I mean i guess they're kind of creepy because it's a a needle technically but like it's you know you just think of little ladies and little cotton scarves <laughs> and whatever and then she's using it to stab a killer in the neck so
0: yes yeah, so then we uh make our way from there she goes upstairs to talk talk to the kids she tells them hey you know that that You know we gotta go and she says uh what about the boogeyman she goes i killed him and tommy says you can't kill the boogeyman
2: killed him you can't kill the boogeyman
0: (laughs) right as he says this the shape appears at the top of the stairs she runs them into the the closet locks them in runs into another room locks the uh opens the door the windows like she jumped out and locks herself in the closet. One of the other most iconic scenes in this movie the shape tries to get into the closet and eventually punches through it as she's hunkered down and he looks so scary when he's breaking into this closet Mm -hmm. and just so unstoppable she grabs a uh, hanger hanger and stabs him in the eye with it coat hanger stabs him in the eye with it and then stabs him in the chest with his uh, own knife, and he falls down, seemingly dead again. So, Lori pulls the kids out of the closet. She watches him, makes sure he's, he's not moving. She steps over him, really suspenseful stuff, um, and makes the kids leave. What are, What are your thoughts on this little chunk?
1: Scary as F. No, it's a, it's a good one. Um especially like whenever he says you can't kill the boogeyman and then he's like right behind her.
0: Great line. Yeah.
1: It, it is a great line. And then as he's breaking through the the door, you're just like, Oh dear God. Uh, I mean, <laughs> although I mean it's a it's a flimsy door, but still the the premise of like he's destroying this door and he's gonna get to you.
0: And then yeah, the, and you're her- trapped in this space.
1: Yeah, where are you going to go? And then the resource, the resourcefulness of her to use a coat hanger, she just used something similar downstairs, but to use a coat hanger uh, was great. Uh, I'll tell you what her her biggest mistake was. <laughs> she dropped the knife downstairs. Oh, yeah. Never, yeah. Yeah, I'd have carried that thing with me till the police got there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh, yeah,
2: definitely. Every time. Yeah. Also, whenever so, he's, like, uh,
1: pulling on the... Uh, he pulls the... To light the the light, the light is also because then it adds the like,
0: yeah, the, dis- the shakiness yeah, like the, of it and shakiness of it. Yeah, yeah, it's flashing. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. So she leans down. At this point, Doctor Loomis had discovered that Michael's car was parked down the road, so he makes his way down the street looking for him. He sees the kids running out of the house, so he's like. Well, that's fucking gotta be it, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I don't see why else this would be happening. So he uh, he goes into the house, and uh, at this point, one of the also greatest things, my favorite shots. There's a lot of them in this movie. Laurie is sitting in the doorway, and you see the shape from behind her. Sit up, like the Undertaker. (laughs) That's right. Sit
1: up. Ah, classic. Sit
0: up sit up and then he turns his head like so it's like this great motion of up then he turns his head towards her and she's completely oblivious to it she's walking out he attacks her and is starting to strangle her and she pulls off his mask as she's doing it and he drops back to put on his mask and we see a glimpse of his face looks like a regular guy with just a fucked up eye because he just got stabbed in it And at this point, Dr. Loomis appears at the top of the stairs and shoots shoots him. He runs into the room and we get this great silhouetted shot of the shape standing there breathing. And Dr. Loomis just unloads five more bullets into him. Just unloads into him and he falls off of the balcony. Seemingly dead. Dr. Loomis looks back at Lori and she says, What's the boogeyman? And he says, As a matter of fact, it was. And he looks back over the balcony, and the shape is gone. And Dr. Loomis' face says that he knew that was going to happen. The look on his face was the inevitable. And we, the movie ends with showing all the places where he had been. And we hear his breathing. <sighs> over the soundtrack. And we end with John Carpenter's haunting score. What do you guys think of the end of this movie?
1: real spooky yeah the uh, the roboticness of him sitting up and then immediately looking over at her is creepy as all can be and then there's a scene uh, where they're they're parallel of each other right the camera is really on her and he's out of focus but they rise mm-hmm. at the same point um, yeah but yeah it, it's uh, it's very well shot definitely delivers a um a very scary uh sense for the audience.
0: Yeah, so I absolutely love the ending of this movie because uh what the ending meant at that time before we got sequelized and before everything, you know, we find out more from the night he comes home and then all the different timelines of this of of the Halloween franchise. Uh the ending is supposed to to uh mean, you know, that evil never dies Evil's out there mm-hmm. it's always out there and he disappears into the night and he could be anywhere he could be in your house right now you listener he could be in your house right now behind you feel that tingle on your neck that's him <laughs> Lydia just like, got scared herself
2: <laughs> it is i can't so, imagine watching that in the you know in the seventies and eighties and seeing it in a theater and then seeing him disappear at the end. And you're just like, and then going Where home, did he go? Yeah. You're like, Oh man, like now he's going to be after
0: us. Yeah. Like walking out of the theater, it's kind of a similar feeling that I got. Uh, I mean, I was pumped up by the ending of Halloween ends, which we'll talk about, but I was pumped up about it. But I also, uh, you know it could you could interpret it that that the same way too like he's he the shape is still out there um but yeah i absolutely love the ending of this movie it's a it's very poignant and spooky um so uh what are you guys's uh ratings and final thoughts on halloween let's start with you derek
1: uh, I am going to give this movie an 8.75. Okay. Because, uh, I already know what I give the one that we saw the other night. I actually like that one better. But anyway, we'll get to that sometime way in the future. You're nuts. You're <laughs> nuts. You're crazy. But, uh, this one is, uh. One of the classic horror movies, the Halloween movie to watch of all the, the movies on Halloween or approaching that, that time. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. I, I really do love this movie.
0: Lydia.
2: I think I'm going to give it a Nine um i definitely highly recommend it if you haven't seen it i can't imagine somebody out there is listening to this podcast that has not seen halloween <laughs> but i mean it's just so iconic and classic and when you think like when you're young and you're like okay let's watch scary movies what should we go to it should be halloween like the the lore around it you know the hype around it is like michael myers 100% like be terrified of Michael Myers that's like the whole drive of it I feel like and like when I was a kid that's what I was like you know would hear people talking about how scary Michael Myers is so you're like I have to watch it so if you haven't watched it you should go watch it
0: <laughs> I'm gonna give uh John Carpenter's Halloween no surprise I'm gonna give it a 10 10 out of 10 it is in my opinion the perfect horror movie um it depends on what you're looking for I guess in a horror movie. If if you're wanting a slasher gore fest then the sequels in the Friday the 13th are much will deliver that for sure. But um Junk Arbiter's Halloween is very is just the most atmospheric one of the best directed movies period in my opinion. And it is the movie that made me want to make horror movies. That's that's just the 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 way of it movie that made me want to make movies, in general, was Wizard of Oz and Star Wars. And John Carpenter's Halloween is what made me want to make horror movies. It was like, if I could make somebody feel a fraction of what this guy just made me feel watching this movie, then i have done my job. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. My all-time favorite movie, one of the very best horror movies ever made, and uh, Stone Cold classic. Any final thoughts for Halloween, guys? The holiday and the, uh, you know, it is Halloween. Um, Yeah, this is the greatest time of the year. Some say Christmas. I
1: say they're full of presents, but hey.
0: (laughs) I agree. So, uh, happy Halloween, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Be sure to like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Are we going to aconize this? We will aconize this, yes. Okay. You're right. Uh, I would say, who would you say? I would say Tom Atkins, as much as I love Sheriff Brackett. Sheriff Brackett would be played by Tom Atkins in my, my
1: aconization. That's, uh, that's who, you cannot take out Dr. Loomis.
0: No. You no. cannot
1: replace him. Uh, I would he could also be
0: Bob because he gets laid, but. I mean, it could, but he
1: also gets killed.
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you I, think, I, I like your your pick.
2: Yeah, I think I like your pick, too.
0: Sheriff Brackett. Brackett, for sure. Love you, Charlie Cyphers, but Tom Atkins is where it, who would be uh, our Sheriff Brackett to agonize this movie. I mean, could you imagine
1: him <laughs> just showing up to uh, Dr. Loomis and tapping him on the shoulder and says, Thrill me. Could you you imagine that? That would have been awesome.
0: That would have been a good movie right there. That That would have have been the way to go. (laughs) That would have been the way to go. So that is our Halloween episode. I hope you guys had fun. Uh, I hope you guys have a great and happy Halloween. Um, Enjoy your presents. Enjoy the spookies. uh, Enjoy all of it. Um, We'll be back next week with uh, the Amityville Horror so uh, until then, for Lydia, Judy, and Derek Lamaster, I'm Jamie Hiles. And remember, if you're going to scream, scream, scream bloody, bloody, movies. Movies. bloody movies. That was all over the place. Scream bloody movies. Happy <laughs> Halloween.